Well, to change gears completely, not really though, you'll see. I'm going to take you on a trip right here. Remember we talked a couple weeks ago, my job every week is a persuasive speech. Remember we talked about that? So I'm going to give you a little insider here. We're going to, we're going to go like this and like this and then back like this, just so you know. Are you ready? All right, how many of you guys grew up playing hide and seek? Seriously. Did anybody here not play this game? Okay, do you remember, do you remember how it was? Do you remember? Do you remember the excitement of, of hiding and thinking, I'm going to have a great, great hiding place? Do you remember that? And you remember when you found that one spot and you thought, they're never, ever going to find me. Do you remember that? Yeah. You, did you just think of the spot? Because I did. I did when I was praying and thinking through this. I thought, oh, I remember this spot and this spot. And for me, that's going back a few years. I'm just saying. <laughs> a long time. I heard over the weekend somebody told about a hiding spot they hid in the dryer. In the dryer. Yes. I don't think I would have been walking after that, but yes. Yes. I've hidden some pretty crazy spots. I mean, I've hidden in spots where I had to wipe the spiders off, and yes. I mean, I, I took it serious. You remember the thrill, though, when you're hiding, and the person who was it, it's kind of a funny phrase, isn't it? You're it. Okay. Okay. The person who was it is coming near you. Do you remember that? Do you remember that thrill, kind of that rush, that nervous anxiety? And you're, you're hiding, and you can hear them, and they're right there. And, and you're telling yourself, don't make a sound, don't say anything, don't, don't breathe, right? And you hold your breath as long as you can because they're walking right by you, and you don't want to get found. Remember that? Those are fun years. You think about uh, times where, what's funny about is even the whole idea behind it. Do you, if you're lucky, you get to play it again with your kids. So many things are like that in life. And if you haven't had children yet, I'm just a little pro tip here. You get to do it all again. And you get to experience the fun things again. And people don't think you're really weird because you're an adult doing these things because you're doing it with your kids. It's fun. And then if you're really fortunate, you get to do it again with your grandkids. You do. It's great. Life is like that sometimes. And I love it. It's exciting. Um, and, and maybe if you've played hide and seek with your kids, sometimes I remember one of my children in particular she, that narrows it down to two, she didn't get the hide part. Like we were hiding and then she would start calling her name. Like, no, you're supposed to be gone. They're not supposed to find us. Uh, but anyway, uh, do you remember, what, what would you say when uh, like you were done searching and you wanted everybody to come out of their hiding places? Do you remember what you said? Ollie, ollie, oxen free. And I, I don't know why we said that. I actually, this is how geeky I am. I actually researched that. It had nothing to do with oxen. It actually comes from the Old English. This game is not only ancient, it is universal. Humans play this in nearly every culture. Can you believe that? I was just amazed. And it's almost always the same. So that phrase, Ali Ali Oxen Free, I knew you would say that because that's what I wrote down. And when I Googled, that's exactly what came up. It actually comes from Old English, and it's all ye, all ye come for free. See how we do in English? We just kind of mess it up eventually, and it gets ali ali oxen free. In Australia, they call the game 44 Homes. I don't know why. <laughs> there's, there's some slight variations in different countries, but it's the game. And maybe you guys have played some variations of hide-and-seek, like sardines. Anybody played sardines? Uh, if you didn't grow up in a youth group that played sardines, I am sorry, because that's fun. Uh, capture the flag? I mean, it's, Yeah? Clumps? Anybody play clumps? Really? Oh, man. We, we're not going to play right now, but it's a lot of fun, I'm just saying. 
Here's the thing about hide and seek and a lot of these things that we do in life. It's, isn't it really a microcosm of life? Aren't we all looking for something? Aren't we all searching, 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 and we want something? We want basically the same things as humans. We want acceptance and love, and we want to be appreciated and noticed, and we want to know that we matter. And, and we really want that from, from certain individuals that we care about. We want that. We want that. Something else about this game is that some things are going to happen whether you're ready or not. Do you ever think about that? You remember when the person who was hiding, you could hear him counting, and maybe you're counting to whatever number you picked, and you could hear him getting close to it, and then they said, ready or not, here I come. Remember? Remember when you weren't ready? And you're scrambling to find a quick spot, and you're sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, I just drop on the ground, I figure at least I get lower. <laughs> but life is like that too. Because there's things that come in life that they're coming whether you're ready or not. And no matter what you do, it's going to happen. First thing that comes to my mind is death and taxes. They're coming. They're coming. Winter is coming. Are you guys ready? Because ready or not, it's coming. We live in Missouri. It's coming. Now, it may not be a bad winter. Maybe, you know, and I always laugh when the weathermen do their projections. You know, there's no total projections. Like, take it so serious. Like, really, guys? Because when have you ever been right, really, about anything? Seriously. But it is coming. Winter is coming. It will get cold again. It will snow. It may not last, but it'll snow. It's going to happen. If you're having a baby, the baby's coming. Now, you can pick the time sometimes. You do a C-section. I get it. But it's coming. Some other things that are coming, ready or not. Old age is coming. I'm not trying to be a downer here. It's just, it's coming. You realize that, right? Something I thought about this week, and I thought... Remember that Fountain of Youth thing in Ponce de Leon? Remember that? Trying to find it in Florida? <laughs> Want to hear something funny about humans? We're always trying to find the Fountain of Youth. Did you realize that? The earliest mention goes all the way back to Herodotus in the 5th century BC. Supposedly the Fountain of Youth. And there's all these mentions. What is that? It's because we're not ready. And it is coming ready or not. And no matter what you do, it's coming. Body changes. Your hair is going to turn gray. Or turn loose either way it's coming I grew up you know that in case you didn't know this and I'm sorry if I'm hurting some boys feelings here today but it comes on your mother's side that gene that you know the xy chromosome all that you realize that I mean I grew up in a home where my mom's dad and brothers were bald I mean I knew it was coming it's just a matter of time right okay your babies grow up it's coming whether you want to or not and I know Nicole you know she would always say they're not growing up Jesus is going to come back before they go to school. And you saw my baby right there, but you've probably never seen this picture of her. This was, she was just a few days old right here. And um, we didn't know she'd grow up. I mean, we knew, but it's coming, ready or not. And then this picture is, um, this was her first day of kindergarten. This is her first day of kindergarten. Literally seconds before she said, Bye. Like, leave the room, I'm good. And I remember Nicole looks at me and like, I guess she's good, we're out, okay. You know, and we walk out and all these moms are crying on the way out of kindergarten, you know, and it's coming, ready or not. School's coming, guys, ready or not. Some people aren't ready, I know. Some people are madly getting ready. And if you've been to, you know, Walmart or any store, you see the, the get back to school stuff's everywhere. I mean, that's, it's it. 
And you're going to have paper due, and they're ready or not. They're ready. When they're ready, I mean, when they're due, they're due. And tests are going to come out, and grades, and everything's going to happen. And whether you're ready or not, things happen in life, right? They happen that way. And for us, it was a game as kids, but it's really in our life. It's all about it. And so many things in life, we, we, we're not ready. And you can ignore it, but does that change it? No. You can deny it. Does that change it? <laughs> no. What if you're just ignorant of those things? You didn't know. Does that change whether they happen or not? No, they happen no matter what. There are things in life that are going to happen, and it's just, it's just how it is. Now, you can fight them, but they're still coming. And you can try to make some of them better. I mean, I think about the aging thing, and you can, you can eat better, right? And you can you know, try to be healthier, right? I might have mentioned this because it just cracks me up whenever this happens, but I was in the gym a few weeks ago, and <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, I, I, wear, I have a prosthetic. I, have a, a, I don't have a foot on my left foot. And so this, this lady, she probably had to be 70, I don't know, comes running up to me, and, and like some ladies do to me, I don't know why this happens to me, but she's in my face like this, and she goes, you are an inspiration, like that, and I said, oh, really? Thanks. And she goes, no, 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 really, you are. You, I, I see you in here, and I think, I can press, I can do it. And I'm looking at her like she's saying that because I'm, you know, crippled, and I'm at the gym. I get it. And that's, I get it. But in my mind, I said to her, I said, you know what? You're an inspiration to me too. And then I immediately caught myself because basically what I'm saying is, because you're old. <laughs> and she just looked at me all puzzled. Like, and thankfully, we kind of got interrupted and walked away from each other before I had to finish that. Because in my mind, I'm like, oh, what would you say? Because... She's really fit and working out, and she's an inspiration to me because what I was going to say to her is when I'm your age, I hope I, well, look, <laughs> I hope I'm as fit as her and have the energy and the personality to say, you're an inspiration and all of that. You can delay some things, but age is coming. It's happening. It's going to happen. You procrastinate, though, right? We procrastinate. How many procrastinators are here? Some hands went up quick. I know some of you are late getting them up because you. <laughs> Why do we do it? You know, there's some things I don't procrastinate on, other things I do. And there's actually study after study. There's actually a line of thought in psychology that procrastination is healthy. But I, we don't need to get into that. But as I've read through it, you know, some of it comes down to perfection because you want things so perfect. You can't bear to start because you know it's not going to be perfect enough. And then at the end, last minute, you just get it all done because you got to get it done. And then it's not how you want it, and you just say, well, I, didn't, I should have started earlier. Some things were just busy, right? And you just, you just put it off because you got other things going on. And sometimes you're just not ready. Sometimes you're in denial. But, you know, all of us have seen this quote, you know, by Benjamin Franklin, you know, that just um, don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. And... Um, We'll do that tomorrow, right? But tomorrow never comes sometimes. I mean, you just put it off. But you know something's coming. And you fail to plan and plan to fail. And you've, you've probably heard the definition of insanity, right? You know what it is. Do the same thing over and over, yet expecting different results. Let me give you another one, which, which I heard first at a funeral, and it's good for today. Insanity is actually not preparing for the inevitable. Because things are going to happen whether you're ready or not. And you know that. There's a lot of them. 
But a lot of times we don't prepare and we know they're going to happen and we don't prepare. They're going to happen. That's insanity. Because you know something's coming, but then you don't get ready and you don't make it happen. Ready or not, things are happening. I mentioned to you we had... We were involved in two funerals this weekend, and, and there's likely two coming up. And this, I think about the church that we just prayed for and the three that they're going to have for sure. The funeral's Friday, different ages, different circumstances. Both of them spent time in hospice. And if you're not familiar with hospice, it's a, it's a good thing. It really is. It's a good thing. Um, it helps people transition because we're all going to be there at some point. The, the difference with hospices, and one of the things I like about it, is that you at least know it's imminent. You, you hear me? You feel me? I mean, I, I know this is uncomfortable for some of you, and I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize in advance. But, but this is the thing. It's, it's coming ready or not. So you might as well get ready, right? And if you're going to procrastinate, this is one thing you do not want to procrastinate about. There's the thing about, you know, you know, hospice is, at least you know. You, you know it's soon. And this last week when I was talking with someone in hospice, um, my question to, to the young man, young to me, was, are you ready? Are you ready? You, you may not feel comfortable asking that question, but that's like a job description for me. You, you get that, right? So as, as careful and as sensitive as I can be, I'm going to ask that question. It's like a youth, when I was a youth pastor and somebody would say, oh, Pastor Dennis, I, I'm, I got a boyfriend. You know what my first question would be? It's in the job description. Like, is he a Christian? First question. And then when they would say, I don't know, I'd say, then probably not. Like, if you don't know, seriously. So I said, are you ready? Are you ready? His answer was awesome. He said, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm ready if it's, this is how it has to be. But I don't want to go yet. Got unfinished business. Got things I wanted to do. People I wanted to spend time with and take care of. <laughs> then he asked me a question that I think is a, probably the most important question any of you can ask ever, ever. I know you're thinking that's a big buildup. I, I don't think it's too big. He said, what should I do? What should I do? I, I want you to understand the gravity of all this. He's days from seeing Jesus face to face. He was baptized right here. He knew Jesus. He's going to see him face to face. And I'm sitting there looking at him and I'm thinking, you're going to see him before, before me, I think. Right? Right? And he says, what should I do? What should I do? <laughs> I don't know if there's any more important question that any of us could ask ever. The difference is, he knew it was soon. Most of us don't know that. And it could be years and years and years, or it could be tomorrow. We don't know. He knew it was soon. So the, so the gravity of the question is, is monstrous for him. What should I do? He could have said, what should I do now, right now? Because it's now for him. For a lot of us, it's, we don't know that it's now, and so a lot of times we may ask that question, but then we can put it off because we're procrastinating because we don't know when it is. You just don't know. I've had some close calls. Anybody had a close call with life and death? 
If you have not, I'm just telling you from experience, it changes your perspective on life to be close to death. Um, you, you guys, I, th- I shared this. You guys know that on Easter, Theo and I were driving back from Nicole's mom's and hit some ice and flipped my truck. I mean, it literally flipped up in the air and landed on the wheels. It's the weirdest thing ever. But as I looked at Theo and said, we're going off the road, you need to hold on. In my heart, I was thinking, God, not today. Not today. Not Theo. When I got the call from Nicole that she'd been in an accident and somebody hit her, she said she flipped three times. She was hanging upside down in her car. And uh, I, I need to apologize to Lily again because she was sitting by me on the couch and I was on the phone. I literally ran out of the door and didn't say a thing to Lily. I just ran out of the door as Nicole was still talking. Of course, when my, I was in the accident and my, I lost my foot, I mean, it gets real, right? And as the news of that accident that those kids had on the way to, just a while on the way to a float trip, you know, it changes everything. Life is short. It's so short. And I know some of you here are older than me. I know that. We have, we have people in this church there's a lady in this church, 91 years old, who was having me work her f- smartphone today. But life is short, and I guarantee you she would say that too. Short. And I, I, I know, I don't, care if you're, I don't care if you're 48 or 8 or 88, it's really short. You really only have a few years here. And let's think about this. I was, I was just pondering this, and I think, you know, the first 10 years, you don't really even know you're here, right? I mean, you're not really aware of life yet, really. I mean, really. And that's kind of some of the beauty of being around children is you see them and you think, they're so innocent and it's lovely, and they experience everything in a way that is different than us because they're just not really aware yet. Those next few years, you know, you're figuring it out and you're becoming aware and then... As you get older, I mean, you realize how short life is. James says, you don't know what your life will be tomorrow. Your life is like the morning fog. It's, it's here a little while, and then it's gone. And as I was driving in today, six-something, the fog was in different places, and I was, I was driving in knowing I would say that, quote, this verse today, and watching it, and literally as I was driving, I was watching it disappear in places. And I thought, God... It's so short. We don't have very long. Somebody said the days go slow, but the years go fast. Maybe you remember holding your crying baby and thinking, God, when will this night end? Will she ever go to sleep? Please let her go to sleep. And then you'd give anything to hold her like that again. And you hear him running through the house, slamming doors, and you're like, you're going to lose a finger, stop. Stop. And you'd give anything to hear that again. And you, I heard this at a funeral, a funeral. I heard a story told by one of Nicole's uncles about his dad. And uh, I guess some of the men in it were, from the neighborhood were sitting around and they were saying to, to Uncle Doug's dad, they said, um, man, your kids have ruined this grass. And he said, well, you know what? Someday I'll grow grass right now. I'm growing boys. I see perfect lawns and I think there's no kids in that house. 
Cherish every moment. Life is precious. It's precious, precious, precious. We take so much for granted. And I, I, I'm aware that, you know, life is cheap in some places where they're in survival mode and people are taking lives. And, but it's precious. You think about what God has created in each of us and the, the potential and the, the life. And, you know, C.S. Lewis said, we never meet an average creature. Every single person you run into is a, is a creation of God and has, has the literal, you, you have the image of God in you. Whether you acknowledge it or live for him, you are still a unique creature. No one of us the same. He's made every one of us, every one of us precious. When you hold a baby in your hands and think about the potential that is there and the entire life that is possible, it's amazing. It's amazing to think. I think about, I mean, just imagine with me, you're holding a baby that's born this year, and you think about this life, this life that'll go how much farther than mine. I mean, I'm, I'm 55, and I think about this baby that's, if it goes, if this baby lives 20 years, I would be 75, and then another 20, I wouldn't be here. But that would be a normal life for the baby. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? How life just goes. A baby born this year, I did the math, would graduate high school in 2036 or 37. <laughs> Do you remember when 2001 Space Odyssey sounded ridiculous? Life is fragile. It's resilient in a lot of ways. I mean, we heal from a lot of things, but there's a lot of things in life that happen and we, we stuff it away and we compartmentalize and we try to ignore it and we cope and we protect and we deny, but life itself is so fragile. The balance is so fragile. Can't tell you how many times I've been with somebody in the hospital and they're saying to me, well, they're just trying to balance my meds because this med has thrown my heart rate off and this one is my blood pressure. And in the end, your life is just fragile. It's fragile. It's fragile. It could be gone in a moment, a glimpse. I'm sorry I'm so emotional. I just been touched by pain this week. See it in people's hearts. You don't know when that last conversation is going to be. One of the poems I read talked about that at the funeral, and it just, you don't know. You don't know when that last phone conversation or the last I love you or the last touch or the last hug or the last whatever. You just don't know. Think of it like this. When was it? You remember the last time you read a book to your kids before bed? Some of you are in that stage of life. Enjoy every minute. Because there's times I remember where you're thinking, man, they want that same book. I've got it memorized. I'll turn the pages, but I don't have to look at them. I've got it memorized. And I remember um, Lily would always want the three little pigs story at night because I'd do different voices. I'll spare you right now, but <clears throat> she'd want it two or three times, sometimes more. I don't remember the last time I said it. I didn't know the last time I told her that story was the last time. And life is like that. It's gone in a moment. So that question, what should I do? I hope all of you are letting that roll around in your heart and mind right now. What should you do? Because for that young man, he answered that question immediately. For us, I hope you answer it today. For him, it was soon, but the answer's the same for all of us. And, and the answer came out of my mouth. I, I, it was one of those moments where you're speaking and it's almost you're hearing yourself talk. And 
I, in fact, part of me said, could you have waited a second before you answered that question? Could you have paused? I couldn't help it. I knew he knew Jesus. Because the first thing is, do you, do you know him? Not about him, but do you know him? Do you, do you have him in your heart? Do you know him, know him, know him? I know a lot of people, but I don't know them. But we serve a God who wants a relationship that's deeper than all of that. The first question, what do you need to do? The first question every single one of us has to answer is the question that Jesus asked the disciples. He asked them, who do people say that I am? And they told him some crazy stuff people were saying about Jesus at the time. Then he asked them this question, which you're going to be asked today. Do you, who do you say that I am? Who do you say? Not your mom or your dad or the, the church or me or the country or whoever. Who do you say? Because when you go to heaven at some point, When each one of us get to that ready or not moment, you will have to know who he is. And you need to know him, know him, know him. You need to know him. And you need to come to terms with who he really is. C.S. Lewis, he kind of developed this idea of a, not a dilemma, but a trilemma, he called it. You, you look at who Jesus is, the, the, the biographies that we have in the, in the New Testament, you Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you know, meticulously researched, and we see the character and the personality of who Jesus was. And you can make a determination of who he was. And what's interesting about those Gospels is, you know, we read those in the Bible, but it's not just in the Bible. All the main characteristics of Christ you can, you can actually compile from non-Christian sources that wrote about him. Because he was a historical figure that lived and died and did things and people know who he was. And they knew his life. Him being a miracle worker, him being a wonderful, good person. All those things are actually corroborated outside of the Bible. But as you look at the Bible, you have to ask yourself, are these the works and words of somebody who's a liar? No, you can't even say. No one would say that. Even the, the most hardened skeptic would say, well, clearly No. Is he a lunatic? No. But the question comes, is he Lord? Is he really Lord? Here's what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus said that. He's laid it down because he said, I am the only way. I am the one and only way. It's an amazing thing, too, because the eyewitnesses who saw those things, they actually used the skeptical eyewitnesses as proof. They said, here here, uh, Peter in his sermon on the day of Pentecost, he says, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus of Nazareth by doing uh, powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. He's basically saying, you saw it, too. (laughs) Paul says, King Agrippa knows about these things. I speak boldly, for I am sure these events are all familiar to him, for they were not done in a corner. It's public knowledge. Here's the most important part, though. You have to decide if he's real and if who he said he is is who he was and what that means for you. Know this. Aaron said it before he left up here. He said, Jesus loves you, and he always has. The truth is God is pursuing each one of us. As you answer that question, what do I do? There's a God in heaven who cares about you, and his whole focus has been to restore relationship with you from the very beginning, even when you didn't realize it. I want us to read this passage. Um, it, it may not look familiar because it's in the message, but I love how it writes this. It says, Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready, ready or not, ready or not. 
He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatsoever to him. Another version says, while we were in our sin, Christ died for us. The Holy Spirit's been looking for you. He wants relationship with you. He's been drawing you, protecting you, calling you, warning you, arranging circumstances. You know why? Because he cares about you that much. You know, one of the most amazing scriptures in, in the Bible to me is the idea that God sings and dances over us. That's just wild to think that God loves us like that, but he does. Look at this verse in, in Zephaniah. It says, the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness, joy. And with his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Joyful songs. I don't think, I don't know. If, I mean, who does that? So the question again, the question is, what should you do? Here's what you should do. I'm gonna, here's what you should do. Don't leave it unsaid. You need to figure that out between you and God. You need to make sure that that's right. Don't leave anything undone. I, I, told, I told this guy in his hospital room, the hospice room, I said, don't leave anything unsaid. No regrets. You love with someone? Tell them. Tell them today. Text them. Call your mom. Call your sister, your dad, your cousin, your friend. Whoever you need to tell, you need to tell them. You appreciate someone? Tell them. Why wait? Why wait? Mend relationships now. Forgiveness is so important. You know, they say that bitterness is, is, is like you're taking poison and then expecting the other person to die. Forgiveness helps you too. This verse, these two verses I'm going to show you about forgiveness. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as types of evil behavior, all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. What should you do? What should you do? You should mend relationships. Two, two of the most powerful words in human languages, I'm sorry. It frees you, it frees them. And then what's great about this is God doesn't leave it there. You need to know who he is, you need to mend relationships, and then you need to invite people. He actually includes us in this. And here's what he says. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. It's not just about us. It's about us grabbing as many people and taking them with us. And in 1 Peter, it says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with great gentleness and respect. It's not just for you. People are watching you. When I ask you that question, what should I do? What should I do? People are wondering what you're going to do, what you're doing. I, I've said this many times, but I'm going to say it again. I wish... We could just make appointments with Jesus and he would show up at work with us. Wouldn't that be cool? And he would answer every question, fix everything, right? Next time you're getting together with a family and somebody's coming and it's going to be difficult, invite Jesus, right? And guess what? You can. It's you. He comes with you. That's what he does. 
I'm gonna ask you to shut your eyes, everybody in the room, for a minute. This question is the most important question for you to answer. What should you do? First thing is this. You need to make sure you know him. So I want to know. I want to know real quick. Do you know him? If you know him, would you just raise your hand for me? I see a lot of hands. Bless God. But let me ask this question the reverse. Is there anybody in the room you do not know him, but you want to? You want to begin this relationship that I've been talking about with this, with this God who pursues you and literally sings over you. He loves you that much. Anybody here not know him, but you want to know him today? Would you just raise your hand? We'll pray with you. Anybody at all? I do see that hand. I appreciate you raising that. Anybody else? I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to ask us to all pray together. This prayer we're going to pray, it simply acknowledges the fact that we've done things that are wrong, but we serve a God who loves us and he paid the price for our sin and we want to start that relationship together. So I want everybody to pray this, including those that raised their hand. Would you pray with me? I'll, I'll, I'll start and then you repeat. Father God, <clears throat> sorry for the things that we, we've done that weren't right. We want you to come into our life. I want you to come in and make me new. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And keep your eyes closed for just a minute. <clears throat> I'm wondering if there's anybody in here who needs to mend a relationship today. That could mean a lot of things. But if you need to do that today, would you just raise your hand so we could pray with you? Appreciate those hands, that honesty before God. One last question, one, one last chance to raise your hand. Aaron did this earlier when he talked about the empty seats, but I'm just wondering, is there somebody on your mind that you need to tell about Jesus? If you know that there's somebody on your mind, would you just raise your hand? Appreciate those hands. Let's pray. Father, I pray for everybody in this room this morning. I pray, God, for those who have some relationships to mend. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would already go ahead and prepare those hearts for that. And God, that you would already make that an easy thing to make happen. And I pray, God, you would give them the boldness and the resolve to follow through with that. And I pray that you would guide that and that you would walk through them with that, that situation. Father, I pray for those <clears throat> who you've put on our hearts and minds that we need to tell about you. And I pray, God, that already you'd begin to work on their hearts, to soften their hearts to you, and that your Holy Spirit would do that job in their hearts and minds. And I pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. I, I hope you have a wonderful day and that God blesses you in all those things. Pastor Jeremy. <clears throat>